Hello and a wonderful good morning or good afternoon to everyone. This is Chris Marquardt. We're back with another episode of Curiously Polar. And with me, as usual, is Henry. Hello. Hello, wonderful good morning. How are you? Yeah. Um, I'm awesome. We have been... The moment we're recording this is the second hottest day in the year, but uh, a little a little fan pointed at me. I think yesterday where I live we had thirty six uh, Celsius, the, somewhere in the mid nineties in Fahrenheit. Um, you are no, you're not in the Arctic right now. No, I just returned from uh, an employment in the Arctic, and uh, I actually am melting. <laughs> About 37 degrees okay, so, without so, a fan. So you, you were up in Svalbard? I've been up in Svalbard, yes. And what was what were the temperatures there? Oh, uh, it was actually quite warm. We we had, were talking um, end, of Ju- end of July right now, just for everyone yes. to be able to, to place this. I've been there from mid-end of June. And the entire month, we had um, average temperatures around 5 to 10 degrees, 10 degrees Celsius. more... Yeah, degrees Celsius, uh, more towards Longyearbyen and further south. Um, the further you get up north to the sea ice, of course, the colder it gets. But um, yeah. That's, so 5 to 10 Celsius, s- that's about 40 to 50 Fahrenheit. Yeah, I would say um, the average on the north was between 2 and 5 degrees Celsius, something like that. Okay, and now and now you're, you're not back in Iceland, but you are in the UK right now. And yes. what's the temperature differential there? Uh Right now we are at uh, 34 degrees. But how can someone survive that? I have no idea. <laughs> I actually have no bloody idea. I was yesterday at the beach and tried to go into water as often as possible. So, But um, then I'm not really made for that temperatures. I, it's Yeah, I, I'm I counting the days to return to the Arctic. <laughs> I, I think that, that uh, set, sets the context nicely. We are uh, talking about <laughs> polar regions while melting. Okay, so <laughs> what do you want to talk about today? I would love to, uh, to talk about um, a very current topic. Um, when I was up in the in, in Svalbard, we just experienced the very thick, very dense sea ice cover, very close to the north of Spitsbergen. In fact, at the end of June, we couldn't even make it to the north of Spitsbergen because really? the sea ice was um, was leading so far, uh, so far south. And it wasn't only just like sea ice, it was actually quite thick, very close drift ice. And that made it impossible for us to even reach uh, a fjord called Magdalenenfjorden, which is not that far north. It's on the northwestern corner. And uh, that actually made me think a little bit and research. And uh, I talked to a lot of guide colleagues and expedition leaders um, in, in my fleet. And um, that was interesting to see the outcome there because the year before, the same period, it uh, would have made a one and a half, two days stretch just sailing to the ice edge. It was so far north, 150, 200 kilometers north of Spitsbergen. And um, this year it was... Oh, it still is covering um, the north of Spitsbergen. You don't have to sail far. The Seven Islands, for example, are still covered in uh, very, very close drift ice. The Hinlopen Strait is um, still closed. It might be open today, but uh, it was closed when I left. So you, so you couldn't even circumnavigate Spitsbergen entirely. So the amount of sea ice that is uh, in the north of uh, Svalbard, Spitsbergen, is, is more than last year. 
much more, much more. Much more. It's actually so dense that you can't go through without being an icebreaker. So the all the, the cruise ships really are just trying to push it to the max to go um, to the north coast of, of Svalbard. That's what we did in end of June, beginning of July. Mid of July, it opened towards um, uh, Iceland, not Iceland, and Hinlopen Strait. And um, in mid end of July, we actually could make it through Hinlopen Strait, almost to the south mm. of Hinlopen Strait. But there, there was um, a big ice um, block just um, yeah, just closing down the southern edge of um, Hinlopen Strait. I, I can already imagine some uh, cer certain people snipping out this soundbite going, uh, see, climate change is a hoax. And no, it's not. And that's exactly why <laughs> it's, I love this It's topic. interesting because you, you see these, these very, very um, short-term developments as um, in contrast to the climate, which is a very long-term development, right? Oh, indeed, indeed. Um, climate is just over a long period and um, the current weather is different. And uh, when we experience the big drift ice, the big pack ice, I mean, it's quite good. Just imagine a year before, when we in the beginning when I um, started working on plunges in June, uh, we had some very short trips. We had a charter from Asia and um, they just broke down a 10-day trip into uh, two five-day trips. On a five-day trip last year, it was basically impossible to reach the ice edge because you would have to sail one day to the ice edge and one day back. You would lose two days just to touch the ice edge, to see the ice edge with, uh, from the ship. This year, we didn't even have to sail a day to the north of Spitsbergen and the whole north was already covered hmm. um, or just and, and, and captured and closed by the pack ice. So that was a big advantage. But then you you just look at the ice and you could see it's not just um, one-year-old ice. It's perennial ice. It's multi-year, second-year ice. You could see that there are those yellow algaes on that that forms after the first winter, after the first summer, when it uh, actually matures and grows older. You see the thickness, the density of the ice flows when, when they're breaking off. And you see it's nothing that could have formed in just one winter. And then you actually dig a little bit and you research a bit and you figure out this is nothing um, normal. It's nothing usual. And this ice, which we discovered, explored there, that doesn't belong there where it was. Mm -hmm. So what, what does that mean? What does that mean is actually we had a very nice weather in, uh, in the beginning of summer, end of spring, beginning of summer. We had very strong um, winds from the north, uh, especially from the northeast, and ocean currents. And they are actually pushing um, multi-year ice down from the North Pole. And they're pushing it down south. And they got encapsulated in that um, ocean um, ocean circulation around Svalbard. You have the, the warm North Atlantic current going up north on the west coast of uh, Svalbard. And then you have the Arctic um, currents coming down from the Arctic Ocean on the east. And you can actually see the development of the sea ice charts over this summer, how the sea ice came down closer and closer and basically covered the whole east part of uh, Svalbard, went into Hinlopen Strait, uh, just encapsulated the north, the whole North Oestlandet Island, Hinlopen Street, it went down to Barentsoyer, Edge Oyer, 
And uh, of course, all the the small islands like Kongoya, Svenskoya, and um, Suriana, Kvitoya, Storoya. I don't want to go through all of that. But the whole eastern part of uh, Svalbard was um, closed in very dense pack ice, while the west was entirely free. This is because of the warm current coming from the south, uh, the, the last remains of the Gulf Stream, which is actually leading north on the west coast of, uh, of Spitsbergen Island and goes into the Arctic Basin, where it's actually cooled down and then just leads down again. So it, 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 does that kind of push the ice down by exactly. taking up space up there? Exactly. Um, the ice gets pushed down by both um, ocean currents and wind. And we actually were very closely looking to, to uh, the wind charts to see if the wind goes down to make it possible for us to, um, or make it more likely that the sea ice has a chance to um, move a little bit with the ocean currents and um, give, for example, the Henlopen Street uh, free. That you can actually sail through the strait and um, make a circumnavigation about uh, around Spitsbergen, which it didn't, at least not until I left. So today the, the, the current ice chart looks like it might be possible to um, go around once. I remember when I was up in Svalbard for the first time, how long is that ago now? Three years, four years? Um, where we also, we couldn't get up to the, to the northeastern tip because there was so much ice coming down from, yeah, diagonally coming down from, from, uh, north, northwest, pretty much. So. What time uh, of the year was that? Um, that was in, that was in summer, actually. And, uh, it's interesting because, um, for, for me, that was the first time I, I, I noticed this is uh, how the how the whole uh, archipelago of uh, Svalbard was kind of casting an ice shadow. You know, you had the mm. ice moving, and then of course on the side that is away from where the ice comes from, there's no ice. So you had this, the, the, you had Svalbard kind of deflecting this mass of ice on both sides, which was really interesting I, to watch yeah. on the on the maps and. Uh, well, it, it meant that we couldn't go as far up north as, as we wanted to. Same here. So in the beginning, <clears throat> when we started to sail up there, we couldn't even go uh, as far as uh, Magdalenefjorden. So that was actually, was not even go into Rødfjorden, which was somehow mentioned in the program. So we couldn't go in there. But um, that didn't really matter because with the southern extent of the sea ice of course you also have the wildlife much closer to um to the departure place long you've been so you just sail a day north and you're already in the park ice and for me this is like the most special day on all of those cruises whenever we have the chance to just set the ship into the park ice and just observe and look out for wildlife that's the best thing ever the so whole ship just calms down Everybody is just really focused on looking out for wildlife. <laughs> and every, you see, you feel that everybody just arrives up in the Arctic and understands what all of this is about. So in the ship, you'll probably hear uh, pieces of ice scratching against the hull. Oh, yes. So it goes all the time. Um, and what it kind clongs of very loud when you <laughs> when you push the ice flows um, and you really want a, and you really want a ship that can take that. Oh yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't go there with just any ship. No. And and uh, what kind of wildlife are we talking about here? Is, are, are we talking about like I don't know polar bears sitting on that ice on big floats? Is, is that yeah? I mean possible that's, that's actually what we're looking for. We of course uh, we're looking for the king of the Arctic, but um, 
it's not as easy to spot polar bears on uh, on sea ice as you probably <laughs> a white experience bear yourself. on white ice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, it's a it's a slightly yellowish bear, but um, the sea ice is also not um, a plain flat uh, ice flow where you can just see for miles and miles and miles. It's just a lot of pressure ridges in between. You have a lot of cracks and falls in there, so uh, polar bears actually can hide quite good in those ice. Um, same goes for other wildlife like seals, like uh, walruses, um, and so on. So you you actually have a lot to to spot for and to to look out. Several different types of seals, and it's always kind of a joy when you when you see it through a scope and you see something, some shadow in, in the distance. You're not really sure is it just a shadow of an ice flow or is it actually a seal? And when you figure out it is a seal, what type of seal it is. We actually spotted on one of the cruises a walrus uh, in the far distance. And uh, the further, the closer we got, we figured it's not a walrus. It was a bearded seal, which is a very large seal. <laughs> that looks very similar to a walrus, just without the tusks. And um, that was quite interesting. Uh, or guests that actually spot polar bears before the guides and say, hey, here it is. Uh, but that's, do, that's quite amazing. Do you, do you, I mean, does it get easier after a few years of doing this? Like, see, do you see things easier after a while? Some guides do. Some guides are really, really well in spotting. We had uh, Melissa Scott, for example. Uh, she she was our spotting uh, head of head of wildlife spotting. No matter if it was birds, seals, or polar bears, she was good in just really focusing on her scope and just scanning the horizon. And she was finding it. For me personally, I wear glasses, and um, for me, it's quite <laughs> difficult actually to adjust or to adopt to to uh, binoculars or scopes. So for me. Looking through uh, a scope is really difficult. It's really something I I, I don't like to do on a um, yeah on an hourly base. But of course, when we have uh, a shift plan on on board of the ship, we're doing that. Um, but I'm always happy when my shift of an hour is just gone, and I still can um, I can can just lay down the binoculars and just use my, my bare eyes. For, for some- sometimes. For for yeah. some reason, I have the picture in mind now of a of a pirate uh, captain on a ship with a wooden <laughs> leg and uh, and the and the and the telescoping out scope, looking across the horizon, maybe to see not wildlife but other things. <laughs> it's it's pretty similar, but we are the, 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 your, the your modern beard type works of pirates already. <laughs> yeah, we are the modern type of pirates. Probably the the eye patch would work um, to, to to look easier through the scope and but a parrot on those, the shoulder. Uh, Exactly. <laughs> we have those very fancy scopes on tripods and um, we just, yeah, we're just out there every single uh, minute. Like the, the last expedition leader I worked with, uh, Christian Engelke, he's just very good. He's just up there every single minute and scanning everywhere because it's it's also kind of a pressure. Um, everybody comes up to Svalbard to see certain type of wildlife and most of the people are coming up there for, to see polar bears. And when you spot a polar bear, it's most likely miles away. So it's a little uh, yellowish dot on a, on a white ice flow. And people are just, even with their um, 300, 400 millimeter zoom lens, they don't really see it properly. So you, of course, have the aim to get closer and to see that. And um, the density of the sea ice this year didn't make it easy for us to get really close. But he was one of the guys who who was, yeah, I think most of the time he was the one who spotted the polar bear first. Awesome. And most of the people didn't saw it and was just like, yeah, he's making it up. No, he wasn't making it up. <laughs> and as soon as he could describe it and 
um, pointed out where it was. Some more people could see that. Not even everybody on board of the ship. And to be fair, not even half of the expedition team has seen it. <laughs> but the other half could just prove um, his his finding. And that's, that's very interesting, actually. That's when the telephoto lenses come out and uh, everyone's trying to capture something. And everyone's up on deck. Uh, maybe a bit like when, like back in February when we had the, 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 the beautiful aurora up in Norway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty similar. But it's also interesting to see the certain classification of uh, of bear spottings. Um, when you have a bear far, far in the distance, it's a pixel bear because no one really <laughs> gets bear. a glimpse of it. <laughs> and you have a picture where you have a, a yellow dot somewhere. We should, we should call this episode Pixel Bear. I think I really like it. <laughs> That was quite interesting. Oh, we were so, so happy when the, the day after uh, a bear was getting closer. And then the next day, a bear was basically just 100 meters from the ship. So that was really, really close. That is exciting, um, yeah. It was really exciting. But this is also um, due to the different uh, times of sea ice. Uh, the, the density of the sea ice makes it more likely that you have actually polar bears because they need the the thick ice to walk on, to lay on, to swim on, to sleep on. And uh, not to swim on, to, to and, sleep on. And to eat on, uh, or, do, or do they eat in the water? No, they eat on the ice. They eat yeah. on the ice. You have a couple of, of bears that actually are more likely to find on the landfast ice in, in the fjords, which is connected to the, the end of the fjords. Um, a couple of fjords still had a lot of sea ice when we went into... Um, into Smerenbergfjorden in the beginning of July, that was, there was a big land ice, uh, land fast ice uh, tongue um, blocking the the fjord. Um, there was a beautiful polar bear situation on there, but um, you might have some some luck on on the sea ice um, if you don't f have a chance to enter those fjords because the polar bear, of course, is not always there where the ships are. But we are communicating with each other, so we we. We try to share those information, even though we do not want to have those situations where we have four or five ships at the same time uh, spotting for the same polar bear. Yeah, but coming back to the sea ice, um, it's also quite interesting. Uh, most people haven't seen sea ice ever before when they come on those trips. So they actually look at the sea ice. They are completely mesmerized because when we talk as guides um, about sea ice before we are heading in there, they are always just like, yeah, why are you so... Uh, overwhelmed by that <laughs> why are you so i mean we are glowing for that that's just something we really want to share and as soon as we go into the ice the whole mood on board the ship just changes the overly excitement of the trip this um high level pitch you're you're having on you're you're riding on when you just arrive in long Bean and you bought the ship you're super excited it's something new it's something you haven't seen before all of that just disappears and turns into something very calm because when you want to spot wildlife of course you have to be calm especially on the outside decks and that also that reflects to the inside um so everybody just calms down it just moves rather slowly and this is very very amazing to to observe every single time we're going into into the ice and um then people actually understand what our our thing with with ice actually is hmm. uh, you see not only different types of flows you actually can spot very easy how easily how old sea ice actually is um 
to see that, to hold a lecture in, in the observation lounge about sea ice and you can just point out of the window and explain it on a, um, example just passing by the ship at that That's very amazing, moment. yes. This is just amazing. This is a, it's a living classroom. This is really amazing. So the sea ice um, changing back and forth over the year is that um, the, the way the way you're seeing the change right now being like the ice being much more there being pushed down by different currents and by the wind um, is that the result of something or is that an indication for something? <coughs> Um, it's a weather phenomenon, first and for all, at this very moment. I, I mean, is, so is that something we need to be worried about? Is that unusual? Um, that's, that's probably the question I want to ask. Is that something that, how, how should we uh, yeah, think about this? We, we should be worried um, about it. So in, in the first place, of course, everybody is happy that we have sea ice um, down at, at those latitudes. For me, that is we, a positive just, thing, right? That, that gives me that feeling, okay, everything is kind of okay because the, the ice is there and that's supposed to be but, that way. But, but this is exactly the point that makes us uh, scared. It's, it's not okay. That's the point. The ice that actually was touching the north of Spitsbergen, or still is touching the north of Spitsbergen, it doesn't belong there. It's not. Um, it's not growing there. It hasn't been created there. It hasn't been formed there. It has formed further north. It just got pushed down, and that's missing further north. It's so missing it, it is, around it is, the north. It is pole. gone from where it should have been. Exactly. It comes down into warmer latitudes, and it will melt down there much, much faster than it would down in in, in much northern latitude. So. Just this ten degrees from the North Pole to uh, Svalbard, those ten degree latitude, that has a a warming, uh, a sea warming, warm, warming of sea temperatures about two to three degrees. So that's a, a very quick meltdown possibility for the sea ice, and the flows are changing qu tremendously quick. And that's something we we are worried about. It's nice to have the sea ice so close in a in a touristic way because we can explain things easier. To, um, to our guests, we can make things much easier visual, but it's also very interesting to, to see that in a, in a way of it doesn't belong here. What, what we see here is missing further north. It can't mature. It can't grow into third-year ice, fourth-year ice. We are missing this, the, this thickness of three- and four-year-old ice that's basically disappeared in the Arctic. Ice is not growing that long anymore. And this is something that worries us. So when we see the ice around uh, Svalbard Spitsbergen, we can explain how it used to be years ago. But when we see that ice that doesn't belong there, that's, of course, a reason to worry. So um, you, of course, you accompany that with, with your lectures about the topic. Um, do you see a change? I mean, this is, this is a tremendous teaching opportunity, a tremendous educational opportunity. Do you see um, the... the how people change their thinking about this whole thing yes well we have to say people who are coming up north on those cruises they already have a, a very open mindset um, regarding the changes we are facing in our world nowadays and uh, when you have them on board they have a certain background information already because that was probably the reason why they uh, booked that trip and uh, when you have the chance and opportunity in those lectures to um, educate them and to tell them something, you actually get a very interesting and very important feedback. And the, the feedback I got on all those cruises after the, the sea ice lecture I hold is um, 
that they got information they 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 never um, were thinking about. I mean, I'm I'm not on, only introducing sea ice as a certain form of ice. I compare to land ice. I tell them the different stages of sea ice, and as soon as they see the different stages of sea ice, and then they look out of the window and say, "But this doesn't look like um, very thin." It's just like, no, it's not very thin. It's actually quite thick, and that's the reason why it worries us. This doesn't belong here. This is not formed here. This will melt down here much easier. There's no chance that this ice actually is drifting north again and can mature. And then you can show that on a on a on a globe. You can see um, on a on on those big screens. You can you can make things visual, and that's the moment where you see how the penny drops. You can see how they are actually climbing over that edge of the mountain, looking on the horizon and say, wow, now I see the full picture. I, and it's not even the full picture because I, we are just looking at one side of the Arctic. But this very moment you have in every lecture. And this is actually the reason why I love this job, why I love to go up there and just use that as a, as a living classroom. So transformation in people's minds is one of the, one of the big goals here. This is exactly yeah. we we talked about that in one of the earlier episodes when we talked about tourism in polar regions. This is always a, a give and take. You have to balance out. We do not belong in those uh, latitudes. But when we go up there with those ships, which are of course polluting uh, the area, we don't have to 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 whitewash that. We are polluting the area. We do not belong there. We are cracking the ice to go a little bit further into the sea ice. So we actually are exhilarating parts of the of the meltdown, even though it's a it's a very minor. Um, acceleration point but we are doing that but it equals out with the amount of people we reach with the amount of knowledge we transfer to them and they work as a multiplier when they got home they got sensibilized and they just get home and they actually transfer that knowledge they try to uh, explain that to others they show pictures they um they transfer the stories we taught them and this is worth it it's worth going up there and go on those trips and, um, yeah, just see the whole picture. I think that's a wonderful way to to end this episode. Let's, let's everyone take that food for thought back with you. And, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 had, I had the same thing. Um, first time I came there, second time I came there. It's always something new to learn. And, and you turn into an advocate for what's going on up there. Exactly. And I actually am really convinced we only can protect things we understand. And when you go up there, you see that you understand yes. because you see it, you can touch it, you can feel it. And then you are turning into an ambassador and advocate for what you've seen there, what you've experienced there. There is no way of, of denying those changes once you've been up there. Yes. Very true. Um, okay, let's leave it at that. And... Uh, Everyone, if, if that if that poked your your brain, and if you want to talk more about this, or maybe you have additional information that we didn't cover here, uh, you can reach us over at curiouslypolar.com. We also have a Twitter account. Um, of course, it's called Curiously Polar, so you'll find us there as well for some more direct interaction. And if you have ideas for topics that we should cover, if you, there are things that you're curious about, if you want to know more, maybe you have a question about uh, what we just talked about, uh, we'll be happy to to uh, go into more detail if you have specific questions. And I think, yeah, that's it for this episode. We'll be back in a week 
with another interesting topic. Until then, everyone, take care.